X's for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things movies, music, media, comics, and more, check out Cage Club at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey everybody and welcome back to another all new X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at the many adventures of Marvel's mutants and more through their many titles each week. I'm Nico and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And today we have two amazing titles for you. We're going to be taking a look at the most recent issue of Jerry Dugan's Marauders, followed by the debut issue of Steve Orlando's Man-Thing. Now, I'm so psyched about both of these books. I got to be part of the Marauders crew to talk about this dynamic, powerful issue. And it was such a blast to sit with Maddie, Kyle, and Blake. And true, the topic occasionally got a little bit off course, but that's one of the things we talked about loving from Marauders the most. Marauders explores an unusual side of the X-Men, and perhaps a darker side by virtue of the fact that it's about pirates. We hope you guys enjoy this exploration into one of the X-Men's most exciting titles, and a little bit of the conjecture that comes at the end about where the future of the X-Line might be headed. I had a dumb bit. Everybody, please just, you can either react or not react, but I'm about to do this as a pirate, so just fucking bear with me. (laughs) Oh god, no, I thought you were doing The One. Oh, you want me to sing Elton John's The One right now? right now i do okay so uh, no hold on, uh what's the lyric yeah saw you standing by the saw you standing out the ocean dun, 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 dun. there okay. we go that was it okay <laughs> Arr, and welcome back to another x's for podcast i be nico action and ye can find me on twitter and instagrams at nico action that's n-i-c-o-a-c-t-i-o-n in a bottle of rum <laughs> Right. I'm Kyle, and you can, <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Drantis82, D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. And I'm your friendly neighborhood ex-nerd, Blake. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blake's Buzz, and I just launched a new review blog focused on indie comics, which is blakesbuzz.com. And I have the least to offer. I am Maddie. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you can find me over on Instagram at the Basely Covetous Man and over on Twitter at Basely Covetous. And today, if you'd believe it, (laughs) (laughs) if you'd believe it, we are bringing you issue 19, Fire and Ice of Marauders, written by Jerry Dugan, with art by Stefano Caselli, color art by Edgar Delgado, letters and production by VCs Corey Pettit, you go Corey Pettit, and designed by Tom Mo. Now ye be wondering why a (laughs) pirate. So, okay, here's what happened. I realized that I haven't been on Marauders in like two months or something. I don't think I've covered an issue of Marauders since the King and Black. No, I don't think I was on that. I think I just edited it a lot. So like, I, <laughs> I haven't done this in so long that like I said to myself, okay, Nico, go back and read 
a bit of Marauders again. And so I reread the arc after X of Swords and I said to myself, um, I don't know what the fuck's happening here. And like, I, I've read all of this multiple times and I don't really have the context for it mentally. So I said, I have insomnia. All right, just, you know, let's, let's do this. And I hung in there and I, I honestly did skip all of the X of Swords stuff, but I reread the bulk of Marauders. And I think that I can finally put my finger on what's always had me a little bit like, I, I love this book, but always had me kind of go, but you know, there's a thing about it. It is the Pyrosia. There is something where the X-Men actually get to be a little bit darker here. And it's not just the fact that it's Marauders, the book that takes the name from a villain's team, but rather it's a book where morality sails under a different flag. And because of that, the tone of Marauders is always a little bit darker, yet sillier. And I do mean sillier. One of the first things that I think of when I think of the Marauders is I think, I'm so sorry, one of the things that I think of when I think of pirates is, you know, and not just because I'm a Disney guy, but I think of Pirates of the Caribbean and how that was a modern day exploration of the tropes and themes in in pirate narrative. And one of the key elements of pirate narrative, whether you're talking Gina Davis in Cutthroat Island, God help us all, or you're talking, you know, Curse of Monkey Island, we're talking about something that has some inherent silliness to. And before we get into Marauders number 19, I want to ask you guys how you define pirates. How do you guys feel about this broad turn? Now, Kyle, you live in sort of like a digi-sphere. You know, I know that you love your books and like you're a guy who likes paper books too and like that's awesome, but you're one of the most like techie people that I know. When you hear pirate, do you go for like, well, you know, Nico, or do you go for like, stop stealing that CD or so help me? A lot of times if I'm, I'm in a Disney mood, then I definitely, my mind definitely goes towards Pirates of the Caribbean and all the R and stuff like that. Um, if I'm if I'm more spending a lot of time dealing with my day job, then yeah, totally my mind goes to uh, digital piracy. Now, I like that you kind of interact with the idea of piracy like on multiple levels. You're not locked into one view of it. And I think that's kind of necessary to the dichotomy of what piracy offers, right? You know, because I think we've all downloaded something here or there. Now, Blake, actually, I want to ask you something about piracy in terms of comics. One of the things that's so fucking cool about you, dude, is that you have taken your love of comics and you've transformed it into this brand and like everybody wants to be a part of it right now. And I love that fucking for you, right? And one of the things about comics is that there is an inherent lack of archivism by the people responsible for comics going back about 50 years. You're a guy who loves indie comics so much. So I'm actually going to spin the question a little bit differently to you. In terms of the fact that there are so many indie comics lost to time, do you see both sides of this comics piracy argument where there is a sense of archivism to it? Or are you, you know, pretty much get your hands off my things or so help me? I don't know why Mike Wazowski is responsible for everything that I'm doing today, but or so help me. I I, I had, I, I was so close the second time I was like, does he know he's doing it? I be Mike Wazowski and I only have one eye. You know, it's it's interesting now because I, I get these review copies from everyone, right? And so on one hand, you get you you have all these people that are like, quit downloading my comics. Like, this is hurting me. But on the other hand, all these creators will, all you have to do is ask. Like, that's what I'm learning, man. Like, you want to do an interview? Uh, you want to get an advanced release? Uh, especially now that I have the blog. But all you got to do is ask. And they send you these digital copies. And some are watermarked. And some of them, like, the, uh, the, the, the resolution's toned down. So, you know, it's not going to look as good 
good is if you buy the actual digital edition on release day or buy the physical edition. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. Our review copies of Kid Riot, when we send them out, are the slightly lower quality ones. No offense to reviewers. We love you guys. We just need to make sure there's a little bit of quality control on the sales floor there. I had to ask the other day, uh, a, a company sent me a review copy I was really interested in, and it was unreadable. And I was like, <laughs> I was like guys, um, this looks really cool, but I can't read it. And I think I made them mad because they were like, literally in the, the Twitter DM, he goes, here. And he gives me the 700 megabyte uh, PDF. And I was like, I'm sorry. But then I posted a good review and the writer liked it. So I think I made up for it. But yeah, uh, I I don't like pirating in the sense because I see a lot of people because um, you can go to those sites and it shows you how many times things are downloaded. And we've seen the big two drop books because sales are bad. Um, and some of these some of these creators have like really great stories and they don't get a, a chance to shine. Um, when I was younger, yeah, I used to I used to pirate a lot. I had like this huge library. I would just download stuff that I might read one day. And now I do that with things that I buy. Um, you know, I, I just have this huge, always this massive stack of reading material. Uh, I get it. Some people don't have the money to, to or, or, you know, and I'm not like a, cra- a wealthy person, you know, I'm just bad with money. But I know some people can't buy books like a lot of us do, you know, and, and I, I, I Breaking news, it. ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Blake is just bad with money. Just that bad is with money. Blake is just bad with money. He is not impoverished. Thank you. We return you now to your regular scheduled podcast. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's a bummer. And, and I see the, I, I see the anger and, and disappointment in the creative teams. So I don't support it, but like you said, I mean, some of the stuff, uh, you know, if, if you're writing an article or you want to do some research or if you're making a list of comics to recommend, man, Oh, here's this really cool comic book. Oh, but the trade is sold out and it's now $95. No one's going to buy that. And and I'm not going to, I'm definitely not going to spend a hundred bucks on a trade to, to research something for an article I may want to write. There's like a weird gray line on the on the like is it justified is it is it demonized uh, deal of piracy i just try really hard not to do it and i i i tell people when they tell me that i'm like i don't don't i don't want to hear about it i don't want to hear about how i don't buy comics i just pirate them like I, like don't like don't put that on my timeline don't tweet that at me don't tell me that i don't want to know you know don't don't brag about it just if you if you got to do it do it i guess but you probably shouldn't and everybody's got their <laughs> clown porn you just don't brag about the right? fact that it's clown porn yeah like i don't 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 tell Tell me about the, you know, like the, remember the balloon porn, like people sitting on balloons and like that was real popular for a while in the nineties. I think that might've been a straight person thing because gay <laughs> people didn't have that. We have like really tall athletic socks and stuff, but we don't have that. <laughs> yeah. They would like put, this is totally about marauders. They would put like whipped cream in the balloons and have like these little tiny cute girls sit on them and they'd pop and the whipped cream would go everywhere and they'd be like, Oops. And yet you guys could get married for- <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, speaking of gray moral lines and whipped cream balloons, Matthew, I have a question for you. Oh, hello, sir. Hello, sir. When we talk about piracy, one of the things that we're inherently discussing is this moral gray line, just like Blake said. And this idea of the gray line is one of the most prevalent themes through Marauders. When you think about the idea of a pirate story is the sense of moral ambiguity a core element of the story for you or are you kind of like a i mean they're pirate like i mean they're pirates
pirates, they're going to eat you. Like, I mean, where's your stance on the term pirate in a cultural narrative? You know, in some sense, I feel like Marauders in has has executed so well this this swashbuckling tone that it's made up for the lack of a moral grayness for a pirate story by pirate standards. Because if nothing else, I know the gold standard of pirate standards. Uh, you have to either have big swashbuckling energy or a little bit of like salty, surly, moral grayness to you. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, was the first example and a great example for you who've brought up so so early on uh, in the conversation because they're really, as as the film franchise goes on, every one of the main characters, be- oh, as, they, as they last two or three films at a clip, become more heroic more good leaning uh than otherwise and so i feel like there there doesn't have to be a moral grayness necessarily to be a pirate story so i genuinely love that you and i have a very different take on this because to be completely honest with you these x-men are so like violent and pushy like oh i I don't i I don't find them to be violent and pushy i i do think you know if nothing else my my response then to this arc to go back and issue uh the reveal that the Reavers are the scraps of the mercenaries that the Marauders have laid waste to and left alive. And I was like, this is supposed to pull at something emotionally, but it simply doesn't do it for me because I still feel like it's justified. And it's not like violence is the answer, but to Iceman's credit, to paraphrase him because I don't have the page up at the moment, he basically says, I don't feel bad for making you lose your arm because you tried to kill me. You know, I feel like there is in, through the lens of superheroics and mutantdom, I feel like acts of necessary violence don't constitute moral grace. Ooh, necessary violence. I hope TBS picks up that spinoff. But also, I want to point out something that you said, because now that you've said, you said the magic word. Well, you said one of the two magic words. So behind me, all of the lights are flashing and the confetti cannons are going off. Oh, God, one went off in someone's eye. But (laughs) so here, so the Iceman, right? Iceman represents half of a power couple in this issue. The two, which after the shtick we did last week about powers of three and powers of five, and how they contribute to the overall understanding of an X-Men narrative. Hearing someone say the two cracked me up forever. There were six characters in this story, and I felt very much like they broke out into three groups of two. We had the Iceman Pyro dynamic, which was a team-up. We had Kate and Bishop. (laughs) Kate Bishop. We'll call them Team Hawkeye. We had Kate and Bishop, who represent this sort of unique interplay within the team They both have jobs to do solo to facilitate everyone else's work, right? And then you have Callisto and Mask. And I'm fascinated by these dynamic dichotomies through this issue. Did anybody else feel that it kind of paired off that way? Did anybody else see that sort of dichotomy of sets of two here? I honestly didn't pick up on that. Um, But now that you've pointed it out, I definitely see it. I, I think a big part of the reason why I didn't pick it up was because of mask working with the other uh morlocks so that that might have thrown me off a bit yeah the morlocks definitely stole the show here i mean i I saw what they were trying to do with fire and ice um but that was kind of a smaller part of the comic even though that like was encapsulated on the cover as well Uh, but yeah i was i was 
really into the Morlocks. Like, and that's, I guess, the Morlocks, Morlocks versus Reavers and, and Kitty Vomit. You know, like, I was I was into that for some weird reason. I wasn't really, like, into the would Kitty Vomit. Would you be more into it if it was in a balloon? Is yeah, that if, what she, you're saying? if she would have vomited into a balloon yeah. and then sat on it while she waited for the gate to form, you know, that would have gotten, like, a, a 12 out of 10 here. Instead, you know, I'll give it a solid, like, uh, 7.87 out of 10, you know? Uh, but that just because of the missed balloon vomit opportunity. We need more of that in comics. I just, I feel like people would pirate less if we had more, you know, vomit balloons. So, Matthew, how do you feel about this ecto-fascistic situation we have found ourselves treading? I, ooh, God, if you, you know, if you film it, they will come. <laughs> and it would go up on 4chan. So, yeah. So, all right. You know, vomit balloon, totally fine. I, I, <laughs> I think that, yeah, fair play. I think the the dynamic of being coupled off in twos was pretty apparent with obviously Iceman and Pyro and was mirrored for me in Callisto and Mass, you know, in spite of the Morlocks. I, I think the one that didn't read so clearly to me was Kate Bishop because I feel like they both were off on very independent missions. And, you know, I do suppose they 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 do represent the same, you know, side of moving the the behind the scenes conflict forward you know so i yeah i I guess i get the coupling yay i did it now here's the thing i want to ask about these dynamics on this team one of the main things i have noticed over and over again throughout marauders probably a little bit more notably during the storm era of the book which is that first chunk before x of swords secrets are such an important part of how the marauders are capable of operating everybody kind of knows the part they have to play and that's one of the reasons the marauders works so well kate has to play her part she knows she's the only person that can get in and do specific things even if it's disgusting and puts her in physical displeasure that's just not a choice she understands her purpose bishop has to escape his purpose is to take care of a part of the assignment that nobody else is really willing to take on now one of the things that took me most by surprise is Callisto's betrayal of mask i'm not saying that these two go way back or anything. Well, I mean, they do, but I'm not saying these two have ever particularly gotten along. But the lie Callisto told Mask was certainly a pivot point for her character for me. I believe in this moment, in a lot of ways, Callisto has taken the side of the X-Men over the side of the Morlocks. This was really, really highlighted by the betrayal of Mask. How do you guys feel about this sense of secrets? Where is Bishop? I'm not sure. He's attacking a child. I know. It's not a child. It's a discussing homicidal maniac. But the sense of what I'm saying, right? How do you guys feel about the sense of secrets within the Marauders? I think it works. Um, we, I mean, it, it's, we're getting a lot of that. There's the whole Hox Pox Bagosh and, and, you know, Dawn of X, there's a lot of secrets. Hox Pox Bagosh is the funniest fucking thing you've ever said <laughs> in your entire fucking life. I'm going to buy you a big cheeseburger. That is amazing. Finally, finally I get the big cheeseburger. Finally, <laughs> uh, but but uh, you know the whole the whole Moira deal, the 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 future seers. You know how we we can't. You know, the Xavier has this weird secret plan, sort of that we still haven't seen. Um, you know, come to fruition or or made as readers made made privy to. Um, X Force. You know, Beast is this new Beast is real shady and weird still. Um, you know, so I mean, secrets are playing a really big part in in the current X universe. So I'm not taking it back to 
see the Marauders not give everybody uh, every, you know, it's like a very need to know X-Men basis kind of deal, which is interesting because, you know, they compare X-Force to the CIA. The Marauders are almost like X-Force, I would say, you know, they're like doing these missions that, you know, are too good or too, or are, are not good enough for like the X-Men and not like they're, uh, they're intense, but you know, there's, they're like, there's like this underlying maliciousness. It's, it's not like top of the board technically, you know, they, they're doing these like secret, you know, pirate, pirate missions. They're pirates and they get tattoos and face tattoos and knuckle tattoos and Iceman tears people's arms off. And like, you know, it's just a different kind of, it's a different kind of X-World baby. And they're going to tell some secrets and I'm good with it. I'm cool with it. It's not your daddy's Gray Malkin. <laughs> exactly. It's not your, it's not your daddy's golden age X-Men, boys and girls. Right, there's more than one girl now. Now, <laughs> so Kyle, one of the things I know you love is you love your heroes to be good guys. Yes. You're not necessarily somebody who resists the idea of moral complexity in characters. You support the idea that characters should express things that are more than two-dimensional. But I know that it can be really hard for you when the people you're told to respect do not-so-respectable things. How do you feel about the way that plays out in Marauders? And then I have a pickup for Matthew as well. Hmm. Um, I think that when it comes to marauders it kind of works because they're they're dealing with the kind of black markety uh side of things they they do work in subversion my concern is that because they are such they're supposed to be such a tight-knit group them keeping secrets from each other may cause things to become strained and it it may cause issues between uh, that that may affect future missions as a result of them not being able to trust each other to tell them uh, tell the truth of what's going on. It reminds me of something that is such an endemic thing to the X-Men that Maddie, I think you've managed to escape this whole time. You have yet to deal with a traitor in the X-Mansion Gambit where the traitor is ultimately responsible for at least one of the X-Men dying, Gambit, and the, you know, the traitor has been in there all along but they've secretly gained feelings for the X-Men Gambit and so this isn't that because Gambit's not in this book this is instead a gray area it's no longer as two-dimensional as one of the guys Gambit is secretly evil and <laughs> here it's everybody's just got to play their own game I want to talk for a moment about some of these Morlocks okay I am famously not the biggest fan of Marrow I think that she's basically Wolverine right <laughs> a lady so I I don't necessarily think that she's the most original X character, but I loved her here. I thought this was a great showing for Marrow. Uh, so this Bliss character and her, uh, that, that tongue. Um... Uh, creepy. Super yeah. creepy. I, I... I mean, what she was doing was cool, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I'm really creeped out by that tongue. Yeah. Yeah, Blake, Blake. Yeah. Would you want to see that pop a balloon? I, I just did not love that tongue. You know, I, um, I'm not, su like, I'm familiar with the Morlock drama, but not the individual Morlock characters. So I went to our good friend Google and did some research before the episode and I was looking at like how she looked in the past and not many artists like this this uh they really went another level on her tongue in this issue. Uh her tongue has not been as intense as as it was in in Marauders 19. I I noticed that 
looking at like some panels featuring her and, and some stuff and i was like i was like man they just like just went for it it was definitely stomach turning especially because well, i guess mask the whole deal about her is like mask you know models her after gene gray typically uh so she must have like a really you know grotesque look um when when mask doesn't alter her uh but so she's modeled after gene gray who is like you know one of the one of the beauties of the marvel universe and but you know what <laughs> even though i was just like whoa uh i really loved the end when it's drinking whiskey out of the cup i was like yep okay sold you got me like if that popped my balloon i guess you could say uh to stick with that motif that i'm so sorry i brought into our conversation now maddie i think this might have been your first like heavy exposure to some of these morlocks whether it's hump and brute who look kind of like amphibious savage dragon and beast not like saying that they're derivative necessarily but there's some visual similarities with other characters we might understand iconography uh, might understand iconography from right how did you feel about this crew of morlocks you had a lot of new characters lately whether it's the children of the vault the children of the atom it must have been nice that at least these weren't children yeah actually I, I i hadn't thought of it that way at least they weren't children no i thought they were they were a pretty a pretty decent assemblage uh i think the only one i recognized aside from callisto of course was marrow um and the the name of the name of the crazy uh tongue lady again bliss bliss um that's a horribly ill-fitting name (laughs) uh you know the tongue thing i'm trying to think on what levels it doesn't work for me and i i think i'm coming across that it's it's everything It's, (laughs) it's the face and the girth and the way they animate like the slimy texture of it i just i'm i'm absolutely out on it so aside from bliss i think the morlocks 10 out of 10 you know looking at it again it kind of reminds me of the slug worm that freddy turns into in freddy versus jason alone on that one okay so sorry i don't really watch horror movies (laughs) i was was laughing but i was on mute (laughs) that got me (laughs) right okay so now here's a question where i'm eager to get everybody's opinion one of the things about the reavers is the reavers are actually maybe a little bit later contribution to the x-men narrative than people might think to kind of remind everybody where the x-men sit numerically essentially the x-men are somewhere hovering around number 700 as a type right they're they're somewhere around number 700 the original reavers were introduced somewhere around 250 and were the nearly dead but then saved by donald pierce hellfire goons that wolverine killed in the sewers uh during the dark phoenix saga so this continues a long tradition of reavers being built from x-men villas but these reavers have a slightly different look and i know that that's probably in part due to the evolution of art in the last, you know, 30 years since X-Men 250. But I'm taking a look at digital pages 14 and 15, 16. And while I do recognize there are elements that perhaps look like a fleshier version of what we've been seeing presented in floral form in the pages of X-Factor, or you could even compare the ability to grow parts to Random, who is an X character, there is something about the diamond forehead symbol and the ability to create a weapon out of their arms that I wonder if these Reavers are going to play a part in the development of Nimrod. There is something strikingly physical about this idea of the evolution of defeating mutants coming from the Hoxpox era that I'm starting to wonder if Nimrod, who we know is approaching at some point soon, I'm starting to wonder if we're going to see it come from technology we have around us now as opposed to some sort of time travel situation. Are we, 
in the age of Nimrod. Oh, God. You know, it's so funny because we, I I seem to attract the, the conversation of the, the man-machine war, you know, uh, coming up. This is something that I've discussed in a couple of rooms recently over the past few months. And I cannot believe that I literally read an issue with men turned into machines and was just like, no, this isn't the first step of what's, what's to come. Like, the, the connection just was never made. Like, that's, I, I definitely think, you know, now, at least, that it's it's unavoidable that this is the the seed, or at least a sapling, of what will be the inevitable, which is the, the coming of Nimrod and the Man-Machine War coming to fruition. I like God, the you made that sound. sound so cool. Oh my God, like, I got, like, goosebumps. Like, you sound like a Marvel PR person. And it's the one villain <laughs> that isn't a plant, and he managed to refer to it as a seed. I do see the trend, though. You know, we've got the, there's this definite organic trend here. Because uh, I was thinking of the Reavers, like, you know, my first foray with them was uh, in the Jim Lee, Chris Claremont run, you know, where, where Jubilee and Wolverine are, Jubilee's like, Wolverine's healing and it's taking him longer and she's having to hide him and the, the Reavers are out looking for him. And they're very much like uh, a, a battle-worn Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator vibe, you know, like half their faces are missing and you can see the steel skull and these mechanical parts and, you know. That's their origin, actually. Yeah, and so it, that's, you know, that's what I was used to. This art, I think on the page, this plays out really well. It looks really cool. You know, the fl- uh, the flesh gun is like both terrifying and super metal. And it's like, yeah, okay. But it is cool. Like, you know, we've, we've got the organic Sentinels that we've seen in X-Force. You know, we've got these new techno organic Reavers. So it is interesting that uh, the, the advancements in human technology to combat the mutant threat is so organic, uh, which is kind of a metaphor, I believe, because it's organic to the narrative as well. Um, but it, I'm kind of for it, you know, like it's I, I like the evolution in storytelling. I like that they're, you know, nodding to history, but also making it, you know, new. It's the reign of X after the, um, you know, dawn of X. And and it was it, this is all supposed to be new, you know, and, and they're taking it in a sort of different direction. Uh, but I didn't really uh, notice I, I noticed the the gems in their head. Um, and it honestly reminded me more of Sinister, even though like I know it's not red and it's not the diamond, of course. But it that's what I kept thinking on even though like it's different but now that after you've mentioned Nimrod I'm like oh shit now I see it that's very cool although I will be not happy if Nimrod is like Nimrod head on a weird fleshy body (laughs) please don't do that like Like Prince TV from hell (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't don't change my Nimrod please he's a perfect chonky boy next thing you know we're gonna get a robo lion cat (laughs) has anybody searched rule 34 for uh, Nimrod do we know if there's any sex Sexy Nimrod um, hentai in the world. Oh my is god! This, I is this poison? Uh, I'll 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 go to Reddit. You guys keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, how do you feel about the possibility of you know Nimrod people? Nimrod people. I I'm not sure if I think that these Reavers are tied to Nimrod. From what we've what we've known, Nimrod is a result of the Mother Molt coming into into operation, which was under production by Orcus, which is 
is still kind of flying around in space, not being addressed. I kind of see these Reavers as another flavor of proto-human that we that we've seen not just through X-Men with the Children of the Vault, but with those the the villains that we're seeing in X-Force as well. So I really love the things you brought up here and the fact that there's a lot of potentiality for possibility, especially by tying it back to the events of House of X. Because I'm going to be really honest with you, I kind of forgot that this is a different mother mold than the original mother mold. To jump everybody back a slight little bit, the original mother mold, which was a sentinel creating machine, was eventually destroyed and it is later recreated over and over again. And then in the late 80s, the remains of mother mold and Nimrod were merged together to form a robo-human known as Bastion. So there actually is a lot of history that already existed for Nimrod to have the possibility of some evolution somewhere along the line. Now, as Kyle pointed out, there's a lot of other routes that this could go currently in the pages of the Reign of X, Reign on Me of X. But I think one of the things that has me the most excited is how full of potential the future is for X-Men villains. By having fewer mutant villains, you're kind of able to propel the idea of what an X-villain is forward. And I would love to see that for Nimrod, as well as for the Reavers. So I understand that my precious Lucas Bishop has played a lot of different roles in the X-Men. He has been the stranger from a dark future where for some reason everybody has a fused Jerry Curl mullet. He has been responsible for trying to weed out the X-Trader, who he thought was Gambit. And I make a lot of jokes at Gambit's expense, but the X-Trader really was Xavier. So (laughs) maybe I let up on Gambit for a minute. Bishop has also unfortunately been a villain and was portrayed as a child-killing maniac and could not stop trying to execute Hope Summers by chasing her through time, ultimately becoming sort of Cable's nemesis in the process. Bishop was redeemed, as he deserved to be, and is back to playing the role he belongs in the X-Men, a leader who understands the hard choices and how to make them. I think it's very interesting that we see Bishop, who has recently been in positions where his words were used to mirror social justice causes, where Bishop said, I'm unarmed. Here we see him with a gun pressed to the back of a child's head and considering some of those parallels and the fact that he actually does have a history of hunting a child in the past. I think this scene was handled really, really well. This scene could have read a very wrong kind of menacing, but the fact that Bishop tosses the gun away, which we're all very lucky that the gun didn't go off and set off some sort of Rube Goldberg-esque mousetrap situation, but we are very specifically given an opportunity for this to play out very poorly, but it's handled with some dexterous care. How did you guys feel about Bishop versus Verendi at the top of the building? (laughs) I have never been more certain of my inability to parent a child in my life because I saw him with a gun to the back of a child's head and I just like thought nothing of it. I was like, yeah, the kid's a dick. That's (laughs) fine. Like, it's okay. Um, For the record, I don't have kids. I don't plan to have kids. Um, Please don't write the show concerned that I have children. Um, But I'm definitely not like pro-child violence. for podcast, please tie Maddie's tubes. Thank you. (laughs) I, we will, uh, if, 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 when we make the jump to video, we can do a live stream. Oh, I love it. Um, No, I, I think because this is about Bishop. 
I, I, I don't have a, a wealth of experience with Bishop, you know, to, to really understand whether or not this is, you know, a good step forward or, or progression for Bishop's characterization through the books. All I know is I, I enjoy when he's around. I enjoy the panel time that he gets. I think he's always illustrated beautifully. I think that he's written as a perfect foil for for Kate as well as his own, you know, strong and engaging independent character. I I would be saddened if he weren't a part of the team. And I think every every appearance makes that that connection a little stronger. Yeah, I love this iteration of Bishop. And I I, I too think this um scene was handled well. I also didn't think anything of it uh, with in regards to, you know, the, him pulling a gun on a child because i mean basically if if you want to run with the big dogs you got to run with the big dogs if you're going to be a, a, a top worldwide villain and and you want to play that game like i don't care how old you are like you you got to take the risks you can't uh you know you you can't um want to wrap the world around your finger and build mutant terrifying flesh weaponed armies and and run to mommy when someone pulls a gun on you like you gotta you gotta live that life and um i think this scene encapsulated that that yes they are kids but these are not these aren't the kids at the playground you know these are kids that are are smart and deadly and and great villains and they're they're um word worthwhile foes for the x-men um i also love bishop in this series this bishop has this series bishop has given me a totally new outlook on the character i love him um he really started to shine when i mean like kate brought him in i really like like kate bringing him in and making him red bishop and uh the new wardrobe is excellent the new haircut is excellent uh he's just like he's just so stoic and badass and i loved how he reacted when kate died and and him and bobby like the anger that that kind of like they're still dealing with you know even though she's back like they're still angry and and harder than they were before and uh, i think it works really well on the page and i'm always excited uh when when he has a good scene i was i was really pumped like his like solo mission here i was like oh yeah yeah, like what's he gonna do like this is gonna be good and, and it was and and i think throwing the gun away helped a lot too because i mean if you if you kind of dissect the scene you know he, he pulls the gun on him he takes the weapon away and then as soon as as soon as he's unarmed he throws the gun down because he doesn't need it anymore so i think i think uh writer and artists were really smart here as well um and i always congrat i mean it's i like the risks that they take here you know like this isn't this is a different kind of x-men comic um we're seeing that lately uh, a lot of you know there, there's a lot of drama and but the action and the action and the thematics are are a lot more adult and darker and complex and that's that's why i keep buying all these comics man like i it hurts some some months you know like i'm like oh there's like 11 x books this month on top of everything else i buy and so it's like if they weren't pulling me in i wouldn't be buying them and they they still reel me in every every damn month every week and, and i'm glad to be here for it it'd be a different kind of x book had been me point all along now, I'm going to put the pirate back. Kyle, I'd yeah. love to know your opinions on this bishop, but I also want to pivot a question to you. I know that you identify with Iceman as a man who came out a bit later in life, yep. and how much you're, how much you've really appreciated the representation of Iceman as a strong, bold, dynamic, queer character capable of protecting himself and others. And I'd love to know your opinion, not just on this iteration of Bishop, but on this sort of Iceman being like, unleash the frost! That's a lot. Okay, um, I... I, I'm I'm really in, 
enjoying this bishop. Uh, he's he's badass, and he does what he believes nobody else is willing to do. Um, in this particular instance, I'm not exactly sure of what his, what the logistics of this bombing operation involved, but it kind of seems to me that he did not leave the building after. Yeah, so I'm I'm assuming that. Ooh, he had to get fived. Yeah, I think he got fived. Ooh. But as a result of that, is it possible that there's remains in the building that could be tied back to Krakoa uh, and kick off that international uh, response that they were worried about? Which actually makes me wonder if after this, Marrow can even become part of the new X-Men team, considering she would have been involved in a public thing and her bones are left behind. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I have a lot of concerns about that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So. Uh, as for your other question about Iceman, um, you know, I'm really enjoying seeing Bobby being more forceful with his abilities, with just his level of wanting to protect the people that are close to him. And it, it's it's a huge uh, difference from when you and I were watching uh, or were reading Champions, where he... Oh, for- Sure. Where he barely wanted to have anything to do with with being a superhero. So yeah, it's that kind of character growth. It's it's phenomenal, and it kind of gives you something to want to strive for in real life. Pro- I love that potential. Oh, uh, preferably without all the violence, of course. Gotta say, with fewer <laughs> arms ripped off. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Now, speaking of ripping off an arm, I want to close this episode with a complex question. It has been announced that Jonathan Hickman is leaving X-Men to launch a new secret project and that Jerry Dugan will be stepping into the reins on the new X-Men book launching after the Hellfire Gala. My question to you is who would you want to see switch from Marauders to X-Men? I know my choice and it's really funny considering everything we all just discussed but it's Bishop. Like put Bishop on the X-Men where he goes and I mean he can still be a Marauder too. He's fantastic. He can be two places at once i don't mind he can wolverine for a minute everybody's fine with that but i think bishop on the x-men would be a really great touch what about you guys who could you see leaving marauders for x-men under dugan's pen i i'm with you man but bishop if if they brought back like a a 92 era like animated x-men for the x-men book with nimrod coming back like oh i would dude i would i like kid me is like already trying to like burst through my chest like a xenomorph right now like make it happen um just because that's what i grew up with i'm not one of those people that that's like 90s comics are the best and nothing should ever change but just the nostalgia factor of that of like back when i used to be a kid and you could get comics at 7-eleven in the grocery store and those were the x-men that i had access to and the wonderful cartoon that i still watch some days to cheer me up even though it's so cheesy but it's but wonderfully cheesy but yeah man put bishop back on the x-men i i almost i also like kate for the x-men but i also like kate running her own squad and i think she has she deserves that so i wouldn't want to remove her from marauders to like put her under cyclops or something like that you know like i i think she deserves her own book to star in so yeah bishop bishop all the way yeah i i, I definitely have to uh agree at least about kate uh she she could be a strong choice to leave but i think bishop is a much much clearer uh choice of the two and i think that you know marauders is certainly not going to run forever and for however much we get hopefully it remains of 
the the incredible standard of quality that we've been getting under under Gary Dugan. But I think having Kate leave Marauders would take the heart from Marauders, especially for how long they spent trying to get Kate back with Resurrection Protocols. And especially if you're like me, you're probably expecting the Kate's inability to use the gates to be wrapped and resolved in Marauders and potentially use as a vehicle for her exit from Marauders. So I feel like just to have her written over would kind of, you know, sink my ship a little bit. Um, that was perfect. That was, that was perfect. perfect. You're just like knocking it out of the park with language today. You're a real <laughs> cunning linguist today. I do what I can. I am a cunning linguist. <laughs> so I just got the joke. <laughs> just tongue in balloons all day. Because I got uh, not the vomit balloon. <laughs> I have I ha- I have limits. It's like scat, age play, needles, vomit. I feel like that's the hard four. <laughs> Hey everybody, Nico here again, and this next segment is kind of like a personal favorite of mine. I had approached Rod about possibly covering Curse of the Man Thing by Steve Orlando, and he was like, oh, absolutely, a thousand percent, and Robbie and Raven came immediately on board, and these guys reminded me what it is about this title I love so much right? This book is so progressively moving the man thing forward a little bit. Now, these retcons might be a little bit difficult for some longtime fans to swallow, but I'm excited to see where they go and how they're going to pay off. Now, if you guys like what you hear, you might like what you see. So don't forget to give us a subscribe over on YouTube, Twitter, and Patreon. Feel free to drop us a review over on Apple Podcasts. And as always, guys, until next time, keep those mutant lights lit, those Krakoan gateways open, and we'll see ya. Hello, and welcome to the next segment of X's for Podcasts. I am Rod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Rod, the, that's R-O-D-C-O-M-M-A-T-H-E. And today we have with us Raven. Hello, it's Raven, a.k.a. Dame Red Bento, D-A-M-E-R-E-D-B-E-N-T-O. You can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. I'm kind of all over the place getting stuff together, which is awesome. And today we also have one of my favorite people, Robbie. Hey, everyone. I am Ravi, and you could definitely find me at Age of Polaris on Twitter. Alright, guys, and today we are, well, guys and girls and everybody in between. Today we are talking about Avengers Curse of the Man Thing. <laughs> <laughs> With the writer Steve Orlando, which this is one of his first flagship books at Marvel, so whoop whoop! Yay, gay writers! Um, artist Francisco Mobila, colorist guru EFX, and letter BC Clayton Cowles. Now, this book was super cool because it had, you know, our super awesome Avengers team in it. But when starting off with chapter, this goes in chapters. So chapter yeah. one, Bad uh-huh. Seed, we get the horticulture. <gasps> yeah! Badass I old ladies. It. I love it. <laughs> Badass Raven, old ladies and, and not all of them are white. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We have representation. We have mm-hmm. what well, two white ladies, one black lady, and then the other lady. We're not sure what she actually is. I'm sorry. I just started reading up on horticulture <laughs> and the other stuff. 
But I love the fact that there is representation not only of uh, a, a diverse group uh, working as a team, but also that you've got elderly people in there. Like, you rarely see old people who just look like old people. It's always old people who look like the paragons of Magneto <laughs> slash Charles Xavier, like, or Cable. It's like, no, for the, and, I'm, I'm, eh. just And not just like old people. people either. Like, old women who look yeah. like old women who are smart who aren't mm-hmm. like relying on like um, like a yeah. super soldier serum or anything they're relying right. on their intelligence they got right. this far because of their intelligence I love it so. I, I love it and I love oh my god I am absolutely in love with the artwork in this uh, comic it's oh it's so good it's so fantastic it's very different from um, so many of the other styles that we've seen but it's it fits so well I love it like not just the pencil but the color story is gorgeous mm-hmm. like everything was done so well and i absolutely love it and it gives me like just a taste of like pulp comics which if you've ever read pulp comics that's like one of my favorite older forms of comic books so I'm like this is delicious on, on so many levels <laughs> yes and robbie what do you think about horticulture uh, I'm excited to see them in something that is a different team than X-Men. So it really makes me wonder if, like, the plans that Marvel has for them, and if, like, I don't know, maybe we're gonna see them in, like, a huge crossover in, like, a year or two. And maybe they'll be, like, a huge part of that. But I'm really happy, though, to see them um, continuing to appear and that they weren't just characters that appeared for like two issues and something and kind of vanished. I definitely, definitely agree. And I like that with this horticulture, we get a, even a new female hero. I mean, not female hero, female, <laughs> female, female villain, a female character um, as well. We get uh, Raven. How do you say that name again? <laughs> Her- Harrower. Harrower. That is right. Our, our Harriet, but she doesn't <laughs> like her government. She doesn't like her government name. It's (laughs) No government names here. (laughs) (laughs) Only heroer. Only supervillains names. No government names in this office. All right. Uh, man, and like she is like the other women are are so much more willing to take a slow, maybe mildly evil, but a slow and more calculated approach to changing things. Mm-hmm. Whereas Harrower just wants to just wipe the slate clean and then start over. And a few billion years later, maybe something else will come. Like, bitch, what? That no, no, good lord, yeah. just murder happy. Yeah, because I feel like the horticulture they like don't like the human race that much but mm-hmm. they're not like we're gonna kill everybody they're like we're gonna try to help nature you know be better mm-hmm. and if that if that includes you know helping destroy the human race and okay cool cool but we'll let nature decide that you know that's kind of what they're like their thing is and she's just like no 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 y'all are wasting time let's just kill everybody they had their chance mm-hmm. it's, it's done they're killing everybody the earth is dying let's just end it <laughs> right. and i really love the expressions that they draw for the hero. Like, if you guys could see through my mm-hmm. webcam. 
uh yeah i just really love how like you know if i saw her i would probably shit myself (laughs) (laughs) and i love that (laughs) yeah because it's like like okay a i love the outfit it just Mm -hmm. there's something kind of wonderful and chic about that but yeah the fact that she has scarred her entire body like at first i thought those were just like tattoos or, or part of uh, uh of the costume itself and then it's like oh no she actually she literally carved this into her body like oh shit oh yeah she this Holy is crap. she's the pinnacle of like magic and like science coming together for yeah. like sinister reasons and like the page that we were talking about listeners is like on page five of the comic book at the top the first panel is just like she's like lifting her hands up and she's just like looking devilish at her like well grandma and then the other old ladies and she's just like right. y'all are idiots and i can do everything and i know what i'm talking about and y'all are dumb <laughs> and i know what i'm doing and y'all are just old news and i'm gonna show you up and they're just right. like okay girl <laughs> <laughs> they're like mm, see that's not natural selection that's your selection which is not what we're going for not to mention it's like mass murder what you're gonna try and do and she's like but i want to do it i'm gonna make this world better because i think i can like oh for fucks. and like they're even pointing out her look magic like science is more or less predictable and if you get new information you change it but magic itself is not that predictable so trying to fuse magic and science all in one shot makes it a highly unpredictable thing and that is not good for what you're going to try and do mm-hmm. the only person i would go for magic slash science advice to put them two together even though they wouldn't really help you because they're selfish too would be victor von doom he has like perfected mm-hmm. for the most part you can't really perfect it but <laughs> like science and magic together you know like he does it really well but he's also a really selfish you know egotistical guy so it's always gonna fuck up in his in his face so (laughs) and i mean like uh like dr strange knows his magic and his science he's a doctor yeah true same with same with voodoo like voodoo has a phd so like there are plenty of people out there who know the 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 effects of both magic and science and all of them can tell you science predictable magic not predictable yeah and most people don't want to combine even like Doctor Strange, uh, v- uh, Doctor Voodoo, or um, Doctor Doom. None of them want to fuse usually science and magic together. Whenever that has happened in like any comic book, it's always disastrous because it's too. It makes two kind of unpredictable things even more unpredictable. Like you can't. There's no way you can make those things work together. They're just like polar exactly. opposites in a way. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I mean, there's always plenty of ways to screw up science, and there's plenty of ways to screw up magic. But if you screw up magic and science at the same time, I'm guessing that you're just, that's not going to end well. And that's a good segue to the next page of Man Thing. Man Thing, it did not end well for him when he tried to mix science with his little, you know, swamp magic area. It made him into a monster. Now, I want to ask before we go any further, what is everyone's like experience with Man Thing? Because Man Thing is like a known character, but mm-hmm. he, the, the creature is like on and off in the Marvel world especially recently yeah. there hasn't been a big thing of man thing in a while 
So, Raven, what's your experience with Man Thing? So, I actually read Man Thing way back when. Um, uh, my father gave me some uh, some comic books from like the way back. So, I'm God. I want to say 1970s, 1980s. I'm talking old school stuff. But yeah, like Man Thing, his touchful bird, any of it fear. Like I I knew the storylines pretty well, but I like somehow I didn't realize that there had been so much uh, magic to mingle with the science of it but yeah like i knew him i knew of him i knew that he was kind of a, a thing from the swamp <laughs> as it were but honestly I, I love his concept because it is very different from um say dc's swamp thing or you know other or other characters who seem similar to him but yeah like i've known him for quite some while but yeah like learning that there is a magical component and a science component that got kind of crammed together explain so much and I kind of love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I like that. What about you, Robbie? What's your experience of man thing? Uh, not much. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's definitely a character where I've been meaning to read for like a very long, long, long time. But, um, yeah, I just haven't really gotten around to him. I always thought he had a really cool design. But, like, with this page, it kind of covers, like, for Man-Thing's, like, history and all that. Like, his background. I really appreciated that. Because as someone going in who didn't really know much shit, uh, it was really nice to have this page. To kind of get, like, a brief little history. So I really appreciated that. Yes, I definitely agree. I'm glad they didn't go, like, in too much detail. Like, they gave you one, like, full spread page like hey you know this dude was doing this thing that wasn't really that all that great but he was trying to do it for his family shit happened and now he's man thing so it's like you know and i i gotta say i love swamp thing and man thing mm-hmm. they are similar dc and marvel you know go off of each other off and on i would say uh the differences between them one is more heavily in magic and one is more sus mm-hmm. i would say swamp thing is more magic it deals with um in the dc universe it's more like nature and the magic and all of that about the whole earth and man thing is more science you know mm-hmm. he has magic elements to the creature but it's more science based than anything else even though it is like the protector of the nexus which is magic it's complicated comic books it are is. complicated y'all <laughs> but i would say that's the difference between the two which is man thing is more science related which is basically what this whole book is about just scientists you know trying to better the world but also doing it in an extreme way that hurts the humans in the world and it's like no but we like humans we want to live <laughs> well yeah, i like yeah. mutants <laughs> right but like horticulture doesn't like mutants either they're just like nah you're the yeah. same thing you're still people <laughs> yeah. so it, yeah they, they don't like anything from the kind of homo sapien region mm-hmm. of of uh design but then we go back to the horticulture and we go back to the spoiled brat that is uh harriet I don't know, harriet <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, you know what? Y'all some old bitches. I don't like y'all. I'm gonna teleport out of here. And you, oh, she says you spinsters could have uh, could have been there. I remember, oh, you spinsters. I'm like, oh, I feel like that's kind of like, I feel like spinsters isn't really um, that much of an older term. When I think of spinster, I think of like, oh, they're just like a single like 35 to 40 year old just like living their life. That's what, that's what spinster comes in. It's not like a bad word to me in my head. (laughs) 
But into her head, she's like, oh, they're like 80-year-old spinsters. They're gross. I'm like, oh. Well, spinsters nice. for, for a very long time was uh, a term. When it first came out, it was, you know, women who spun uh, yarn, and you could make a really good living off of that. And mm-hmm. then it became uh, a code word for um, women who loved women. And of course, you'd have a house full of old spinsters. <laughs> uh, trust me, they weren't just business partners. Um, and then you got things like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, kind of it, since there were so many old women just kind of hanging out together it's like, oh you're just a spinster old woman basically um so yeah it has like a lot of different meanings but i have to laugh at you old spinsters and like in the next page they're like yeah she's dangerous oh, no she's young pandora was young <laughs> like young and stupid plus powerful equals not a good thing like yeah but i oh i absolutely I adore i adore the whole <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. I think this is the first villain team that I truly adore. <laughs> oh, I love a bunch of old women who are just who are saying exactly what they should be. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, oh god, yeah. Harrower is, is 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 yeah, she could be very problematic to say the least. So it should be interesting to see if we get to see more of horticulture, because you know that they're probably gonna step in and try to stop her at least. Probably. I mean, we have two more issues after this issue. Obviously, they're probably not gonna get rid of horticulture um in this event because they have history oh, yeah. with the X-Men. So I'm yeah, sure we're gonna please, see them more. Please don't get rid of them. They're, they're so good. Like like, oh, my thing. It. My thing is, I wonder if we're gonna see. Uh, I can't say her name other than Harriet Harrower. Harrower. Why yes. can't I remember that name? Harrower. <laughs> it's not. I don't like. I don't like the name. All right. Because there's Harrower. a lot of R's in it. It's a too lot many of R's. Fucking R's. And I like my name is Rod. I like R's. It's too much. All right. <laughs> All right, Harrower, got it. So I wonder if we're going to see more of her outside of this little, like, three-issue, like, event thing. Because I kind of like her design, and I like her attitude, even though it's a spoiled brat attitude. Like, that's a fun character to have. Right? I love it. But yeah, she teleports, because she's magic and science and shit, so we gone. Mm -hmm. And she, like, y'all, she sets this poor dude up to get eaten by Man-Thing. Right. I'm like, he was, we don't know. He might be an evil person. We don't know. We don't know. He could be the most innocent man ever, but, you know, he did. So, <laughs> like, the, the, oh my God, like the morphing of that body into a kind of a plant like structure. Dude, I, even I'd be freaked out if, like, some lady came along and turned me into, like, half a plant, half a person. Like, oh man, no, that'd be, that'd be messed up. And, and the very fact that his body is basically a booby trap, I'm like, that's messed up. This was a lot. This was uh, the imagery. I mean, Francisco yeah. did a great job with the art, but who? Oh, it's yeah. very, like, like horror or oh yeah i mean it's curse of man things i get it but like (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i mean robbie what did you think of her taking down uh man things so easily okay so (laughs) when she kind of like punched his what is that because it's like eyes connected it's like his brain yeah so she like knocked that out and then or yanked it out i should say and then kind of like took his like skin i was like i was like shit you could do that the man thing (laughs) well i guess when you are both science and magic i mean she literally hit him with a one-two punch Mm. with no with barely any effort which was fucking insane right so like i'm very curious to see more 
Scarlet. Huh? We're gonna need Scarlet Witch to come and help us with this because like she's too powerful. She took yeah. that man thing with two punches. She really did. <laughs> yeah, like because he yeah. only got like one punch and barely one punch in, I I should say. And then she fucked his ass up. Yeah, but I was really shocked, though, that she was able to just do that with no effort, which is kind of scary. Yeah, like, yeah, terrifying, honestly. But again, so good. And the and the, the, the facial structure, like the emotion, the way they show her face, like, A, again, artwork, oh my God, but B, the expressions that she has on her face, like, she's cold. She is just straight up cold. It's like, damn. And what? What I really enjoyed with the art was like so when his like brain and his little eyeballs fall into the water so I like how it kind of plops and you see it like over panels just like slowly deteriorating mm-hmm. and then like a flower sprouts out and then it just blows away like it it was like it was kind of like like hauntingly beautiful in a yeah. sense no definitely this this art i mean i feel like we could know what the story is about even mm-hmm. without the speech bubbles i mean obviously the speech yeah. bubbles are a great part of the story because it tells the story but like this art is so interactive and so visually pleasing that we know exactly what's happening i feel like i'm like watching it in motion happen you know yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and it definitely and... gave me like a surprise for like the whole issue because i thought this was going to be like a her fighting man thing kind of issue the whole time and i was like oh, okay cool cool i guess but then in the first chapter or at the end of the chapter of chapter one she like basically killed man thing and took his skin i was like whoa okay this is not what i thought it was gonna be <laughs> she uppercut not her, at all his soul out of his body like <laughs> I love it. I, I, you know what would have made it better if she said Hadouken? Would have been out of character, <laughs> out of character, but it would have been fun. It would have been fun. Hadouken. But no, like, oh, it's, yeah, yeah, they did, they got, they did such a good job, like you were saying, with this, with the, with the art and the color story that you could practically understand the story even without speech bubbles. And that, that is difficult to do. They did so it good is. with it. And then that's what ends chapter one, then we get in chapter two. And I like that these, like, I feel like more comics should do this chapter thing because it yeah. really helps, like, separate the story you're not just going mm-hmm. like next panel it's like mm-hmm. oh that part ended cool and now we have a you know this chapter is called slash and burn Ooh, let's find out what that means no right it, it really does help to set changes in the story and like changes in possible pacing it it, it was such a good idea loved mm-hmm. it i don't know whose idea that was if it was your idea steve orlando and you're listening to this well i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to brooklyn new york because i mean it wouldn't be marvel if it didn't happen in New York, okay? That's just where everything has. Every right. single thing. You think they would learn after Smash Smash, but no. <laughs> I mean, you know, I wouldn't. If I lived in Marvel, I wouldn't live. I don't live in New York now. But I wouldn't yeah. live in New York then either because everything happens there. You, the insurance must be skyrocketed. Oh, right. I'm just like, mm, no, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm like, those nah. insurance companies would be 
busy as fuck on the on the phone. <laughs> I know. Oh, right? what did what now? Oh no, honey, that's an act of God. We don't cover. I'm They're sorry, like, act no. of gods. We don't cover that. <laughs> we don't cover that. I think that's literally like a storyline in one comic book. I can't remember which one, but I think a character has literally said, "Oh, yeah, that's that's an act of gods because of Thor and Asgard." We don't cover that. So. <laughs> I would laugh so hard. Like, but honestly, you gotta be like, you have to be thinking like, how much freaking impact is this, especially on New York? because so many different Marvel stories take place in New York whether it's Brooklyn, Staten Island, the Bronx. I'm like I'm amazed this place hasn't been leveled more times than Tokyo. I mean that's right. I mean we do need more stories in Tokyo that's a good point. You know I don't know if that's the point you're trying to make (laughs) but we need more stories in Tokyo okay. We need more Tokyo stories. I I, I love that that's where you're coming. That's where my mind went but speaking of (laughs) Tokyo. I have no transition for that. But anyway, look, it's Brooklyn, it's New York. A big tree plant popped up, and these fools are taking selfies in front of the big tree, which is like so on point. Like this is what they would do. This is what they would do. They they wouldn't care. Be making like TikToks right now if they saw that popping up. Right. They'd be making TikToks of. They'd be making TikToks of the guy burning. (laughs) <laughs> right. that, would, that would be a TikTok. They'd be, be like, on fire. Right, I'm on fire. Oh my God. Like, oh my God. Oh. But yeah, poor Bobby. He catches on fire because he touched the mysterious tree because he's an idiot. Um, and. <laughs> And then we go to Wakanda, which I'm like, yes, we're already going to Wakanda. Okay, cool. <laughs> love this story already. Um, and I feel like one of the things that I love about this Avengers storyline right now is because mm-hmm. Black T'Challa, Black Panther, is in charge of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And to have like a black man in charge of the Avengers, and yes. like he's also like the representative king of Wakanda. But I love this, and I love that it's still a thing, and that like T'Challa's like, yeah, you know, I'm sending everyone where. They need to go. We're gonna save the world from this plant disaster. And, and this this is the this is the T'Challa that I remember. This is the T'Challa done right because there's been a few um comics, and I'm not gonna name names or anything like that. But there's been a few comics where I just didn't feel like they really got um his personality or the way he runs things quite correct. This was run so well. Like yes, why wouldn't the person with the most tech, who's got you know national or international uh you know everything going on. He's got the science. Like, Princess Shuri is standing right there next to him, like, getting the info and already doing, like, tests and stuff on him. I'm like, yes! Yes, yes this is what I needed. This is awesome. Exactly. And I love that we get, like, the um, the panel-by-panel panel shot of all the Avengers right now. And I love that Blade is still on the Avengers. Good for him. <laughs> That's always good. The Blade kind of doesn't really fit, but I love that he's there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, he needs to be there for now, at least. Now, I, I like the fact that they are actually, you know, they're cycling through, they're doing different things. But, like, you can still spot a lot of the original, original characters uh, that were on Avengers way back when. So it, it, it's nice that they have some new people, and it's nice that they have um, some of their, their starter members. So I'm like, yay, you get a wonderful blend. Oh, yeah, definitely. Robbie, what are you thinking? What do you think about the current Avengers team right now going into this event, or this little mini event? I really like the characters that they chose um it is nice to see like i agree it is nice to see blade because sometimes he's a character where you know you could go some time without seeing him unfortunately 
And and I would say in this particular issue, I really love um, the duos that they chose, like Thor and Blade. That's not necessarily a duo that you would, you know, pick off the top of your head. And I love that Mm -hmm. a lot. Now, Iron Man and Captain Marvel, you know, sure, but they work really well together. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I, I really enjoyed um, just seeing how the different characters were spread out. Yes. <laughs> Captain America and Hulk. <laughs> yeah. That's that was great. so awesome. I'm sorry, I loved it. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I love that a lot. I just... I, I definitely agree that, um, like, the Steve Orlando really gets... Uh, the nail on the head for all these character voices. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's, this. I feel like this was definitely hard to do because there's so many different characters in this one issue that it would be easy to get a few, you know, voices off if you did. But I, to me, I feel like all these characters are on point on how they're like talking to each other, how they're interacting with the citizens and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh my god, I love how Ghost Rider's like, I tried killing it by burning it because you know he's got he's got the penance stare. Um, he rules most things hellish. Like he can do a lot of damage in the right situations. He's like, I tried burning it, but whatever it is is not hellish. So in other words, it's not malicious. It's not evil per se. So yeah, there's there's Here's your mix of science and magic coming mm. together. So it's like, ooh, so technically, well, I guess she has convictions enough that she does not think what she is doing is wrong. So yeah, and whatever she has created is not like hell magic, uh, and it's not malicious magic. It's not in her own mind. So it, it kind of nullifies certain aspects of what certain characters can do, but that doesn't stop them from you know continuing to fight forward and, and trying to save populace. But I love, I love that they got so many of these characters so right oh definitely and i i honestly feel scared when i was reading this because these little flying things are scary this oh is like a horror movie i'm like That's nightmare fuel <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. like they, they're like spiky little no face heads and everything they literally yeah. look like viruses like the little head it looks almost like co- uh, like the coronavirus you know with all the <laughs> it does, I'm, I'm oh, it does. But, then, but then the wings are like leaves and i'm like oh my god this is i mean i don't know if they meant to make this kind of like a pandemic issue but it's kind of a pandemic issue yeah Love that's it. uh miss rona in her final form right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Well, because, because when they release those spores and whatnot, like if people inhale them, there's dire consequences. I'm like, oh, everybody should be putting on a mask right now. Oh, right. oh. Also, it's Corona as well because you're not supposed to touch. And if they touch mm-hmm. you, you catch on fire. Which mm-hmm. I mean, with Corona, you don't catch on fire, but you know, it's a comic book, so the imagery. <laughs> right. Exactly. Plus, I mean, yeah. man, man thing. If you you know fear things, he touches you, you catch on fire. So that's why. But still it's fun to think about but also scary because <laughs> you can't really fight it but unless you're hulk because then she comes in <laughs> with a bat and is just swinging away and right she looks so gorgeous yes right oh i mean look at that tree trunk waistline them thick ass thighs the big ass arms like she looks like i've always wanted hulk the female version of hulk to look like i want her to look like solid rack of beef like i want her to look like she can just kill shit i'm like i'm okay with this form i am very okay with this form yeah and then the hair the hair i i love when artists make really uh, like flowy good hair 
air when they're like in action and uh, mm-hmm. uh, speaks to my heart. <laughs> right, right. I, w- I want a green wig now. <laughs> so. I want my hair back in <laughs> Oh, no, but they, they, they did good with this. Like they did good with the horror aspect of it. And they did really well with like just the movement aspect of everything. It, oh, again, I just, I can't even say enough about this art or the whole story. It's just oh, so well done. And you get so much impact from each panel is great definitely definitely yeah and i really enjoy like the small placements of jokes like even like the little joke with like she hulk i'm rare hulk using the bat uh you know um it it was nice placement for that what no accident that's better (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like that too because it's like you know it's comic books it's a series of like time happening but life is funny you can tell a joke while things are happening it's okay Mm -hmm. it cuts the tension (laughs) so what was your what was y'all's reaction when you saw captain america get eaten up i was like oh no he's dying (laughs) i at first i wasn't sure i was like what wait what the shit but i also noticed the color of the spore that hit him mm-hmm. was a different color than the color of the spores that were uh killing the populace mm. so yeah, the it... color of the spores that were killing the populace seemed to be kind of like a little bit yellowish um but the one that hit him was just pure white yeah it was a Same. callback to the first mm-hmm. uh, chapter for when yes. mm-hmm. man thing went into the little dandelion yeah dandelion there you go see that's what that's called dandelion type spore shit <laughs> and it got right. on Captain America. I don't know words today, but that's what it did. That's what happened. So <laughs> I, I hope I hope I helped you. I hope I mansplained that good enough for you. <laughs> so. Curse of the mansplain. Just in, case you, just in case you didn't understand that. Hope I explained it good enough for you. Because in my head I was like, oh, I just I just It's Rod. Curse of the mansplain. Curse of the mansplain. <laughs> That's that's gonna be my legacy, you know. Can that's you imagine I'm someone having that name on Twitter? Curse the Mansplain. Oh my god. I hope. I mean, I hope it would be there ironically, you know. Right. Oh god. You could only hope. But no, it was ah, uh, it was such a good callback. Even though, like, literally, it was it was two three seeds. Perfect callback. Mm-hmm. And oh man, that was like oh shit. Because yeah, at first of... I'm like, oh god, he's gonna burn. No. <laughs> right. And then speak. Speaking of callback, we get Captain America in like this dreamscape, like mm-hmm. nightmarish, you know, weedzilla place. And right. we get his past, you know, people that have tried to be Captain America, but like the bad mm-hmm. people that have tried to be Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I don't even know who a lot of these people are. Do y'all know who? I mean, I think they say most of their names, but oh, I don't I recognize do. a lot. Of, yeah. I, I, I recognize some of them. And like pretty much all of them were like the, the Captain America's after oh. Captain America. And they tried to go like straight up vigilante style Captain America. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Yeah, you you no, that's not how you do that. So like Frank Simpson, aka Nuke, or I'm sorry, Frank Simpson, Nuke, uh, the anti-Captain America, because he thought Captain America wasn't doing enough. Uh William Burnside. Yeah, like these were all people trying to go out and be vigilante styled Captain Americas, but they didn't have his moral compass. They didn't have his uh ability to like talk and reason. They just wanted to punch things and i'm a super patriot because i got you know this on and he's like that's that that's not how that works you bunch of idiots <laughs> i do recognize nuke but from uh jessica jones <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah, but that's my only uh, connection, really. <laughs> I've I read uh, comics with Nuke in it for I forget which ones. It's been a minute because I don't think he's even alive anymore. Um, I know they made clones of him at one time, but I don't. I didn't recognize the other two at all. So I was like, oh, those are cool throwbacks. Who are mm-hmm. those people? Um, but speaking of a throwback, I got a little PTSD flashback on the like the 26th, 23rd page of the comic book when Cap is like standing there after beating them all to shit with that little like diamond shaped shield and I was like oh no Secret Empire no put that shield down <laughs> I was like no 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 we can't go back we can't go back <laughs> I was like you're good you're good don't be evil just just drop it right, right? <laughs> don't do it Cap don't do it don't, don't do it no more Nazis <laughs> so, right oh, oh seriously uh, no more oh. But luckily that, like, you know, we go past that and then we get this awesome, like, it's time for the action sequence and we get, like, you know, Hulk beating the shit out of some bats and, like, the ghost Robbie Ray as the ghost writer burning them up and Blade slicing them up. Like, I, I love all this. The art is beautiful. Get the Avengers in action. Right. Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yum. Love it. And they, and they got, not only did they get the art, like, on point, they also really got the characters on point and, oh, made it so good. Like, okay. I was. I, I was more invested in this comic book than I thought I would be. I thought I'd like it, but I didn't know that I would just absolutely adore it the way I do. Same. Like, I knew I was going to like it because I like a man thing. And I was like, oh, you know, the current Avengers team is cool. I, I'm, I'm enjoying their stories for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, them together, cool, I'll be fine. But then, you know, when we got horticulture and then we get this whole tree stuff with the nightmare bat things, I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is hardcore. I like it. <laughs> yeah. And so that ends chapter two and goes chapter three which is the breathing fire which is another transition little thing which is kind of cool i feel like with this one it um i feel like the the she hulk one when we go to the next panel could have been like the end of that last chapter but mm. it was still you know it still flowed a little bit still did good but like now we're getting like the big old wave of spores ocean mm-hmm. on everybody that's even scarier yeah like that's the point in time where you slap on a fucking mask and you make sure it's tight because yeah. yeah inhaling that shit whoosh like uh. like there's there's no way to stop that no it's in your, it's in your system you just burn up and die yeah like, that's it you're done <laughs> like, yeah yeah I, bye-bye birdie i don't like <laughs> it's like holy shit like they 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 are pulling punches and 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 yeah like horticulture was absolutely right what harrower is doing is not natural selection at all it's just her selection I'm like Look, a bunch of old ladies were proven correct. I mean, that's always nice to see. Right? You know, <laughs> some people had to die to make that, you know, make them seem right. But hey, it's a sacrifice they had to make. So. <laughs> But then we go to Cerretsville? Citrusville? Is oh, it Citrus? Citrusville. It's Citrusville. I can read. It's fine. Citrusville. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with Harriet, a harlot. I'm not saying her name anymore. So with Her-er. that girl. There you go. Her. I don't know what's wrong. It's the, it's harlot the va- is slightly different, but don't. Harlot is Don't different. worry. <laughs> the vaccine listeners is getting to me. It's controlling my brain. <laughs> She's controlling my brain, you know? She's got me. She's in my system. I solved the spores. Um, <laughs> but, Robbie, what did you think of her taking a mosquito out of thin air and just making it combine to a tree? <laughs> 
That shit was really creepy. And plus, mosquitoes are fast as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, so for her, like, okay, we'll just, we, we gotta just think. Like, she could take down Man-Thing in, like, moments. And she has, like, really quick reflexes to just grab a fly. I'm not a fly, a mosquito. And then to do that, like, with all oh, biofusion, she says. Yeah. Um, that was honestly creepy. And it makes me very scared to see see what the fuck else she has planned because she's and that's the thing she does this effortlessly what is she actually like when she's going out of her way to you know try her hardest she's that that should spook you to me yeah well i mean isn't isn't man thing swamp kind of like the nexus to different old realities and whatnot yeah it is so it that's terrifying the fact that a she now has access to a worldwide network via lichen and she might even possibly have uh uh an access to other dimensions from where she is so not only could that mess up the the 616 she could possibly go into other realities and mess with shit there which is terrifying yeah i mean she could upset the multiverse again we could have to have another secret wars (laughs) her and saturnine duking it out just straight bitch Uh right oh the two blondes you know i gotta fight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do have to note that the, that she is a younger white woman who is thinking that she knows better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, it's on point. Just, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like mm, that is that 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 is very uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That is accurate. Very yeah. Oh, yeah very <laughs> I mean, I mean, no offense to any of our white female listeners. We love, you know, everybody <laughs> that is, you know, respectable to everyone and, you know, isn't trying to get their way on everything, you know, be a respectful human being and you get respected back. Right. So don't be a respectful human being and think that, you know, everything like Harriet here and, you know, yeah, I mean, she's getting what she wants now because, you know, because right. she's powerful, <laughs> but still, I'm sure she's going to get her come up maybe <laughs> so we'll oh, see so we can hope we can, we can hope right but that i agree with robbie that is some scary stuff because they definitely put this this like random page with her in the swamp in here for a reason to demonstrate her magical power it's like she's like oh i got this uh mosquito whoop biofusion okay cool it's like uh-uh that's not that's not that's not normal that's too yeah powerful. but i like how t'challa is just like you know what Wakanda's different, y'all. Wakanda's different. <laughs> right. we, we got this plant. I don't know what y'all doing in all the other countries, but we got this plant taken care of already. So right. what y'all well, doing? Yeah, and, and like and like they're smart about it. They're putting it inside a containment unit. The moment they realized, oh, sunlight helps to activate this thing, shut it down. Like cover it up. Don't let sun touch it. Get in there. But it also kind of speaks to uh, the people of Wakanda and how a they're all wearing masks. So mm-hmm. no. Nobody can get, you know, infected that way. But mm-hmm. also B, they don't fear. They take care of shit. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wakandas are strong. They 
there are people of, I mean, they've had little civil wars, but in the end, there are people that take care of their own for the most part. Um, <laughs> they have their disagreements like everybody else, but you know. <laughs> Read the Black Panther series going on right now. You'll get what I'm saying. But <laughs> they take care of each other. And I agree, like, the they do not fear. They're like, we're going to do what we need to do, even if it kills us. And for that little containment thing, I would not be shocked if, if Shuri was like, oh, I thought of this years ago, just in case something happened like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, dang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love Shira. She always does stuff like that. She's like, oh, yeah, this is for scenario 525. And this right. Is what, what I thought was going to happen one day. So, I love it. But then we get, you know, Captain America back into the dreamscape. And I was really interested to see where this was going to go. I was like, what is what is this? What are we doing? Um, who is he going to see? And I was like, oh, of course, we see, you know, uh, Ted Sty- Stylus, the guy who became Man-Thing. Oh, so, yeah. 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 Oh, that was... He I was, wasn't expecting that. I was not expecting that. Like, yeah, somehow I just was not expecting that. Yeah, I don't know who I was expecting. I was like, who is this person? Why are they like, obviously they're not like a Captain America wannabe because they're, you know, they're skinny or whatever. Right. Um, but I was like, who is this? Who is this? And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, wait, is it Dr. Banner? And I was like, why would he be in here? And I was like, oh, no, wait, it's a different doctor. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, because like there's so many things in, in, in the magical worlds and whatnot. But I was like, if this is inside his own mind, it could be a younger version of himself it could have been some of the the people who were trying to become captain america like um what was his name uh unger unger from uh um Oh, it was from Captain America and Wolverine. Um, oh God, it was a previous comic that I just read like last week. Oh, the Weapons yeah, like, Plus. Yes, thank you, Weapons Plus. So yeah, I was like, maybe he's from Weapons Plus, like another failed Captain America. You know, like oh, yeah, but yeah, like having Doctor Solace or Salas step out of the shadows. I'm like, dude, I didn't even know your consciousness still existed. Yeah, because we haven't seen that in a long time. Because I mean, he's essentially kind of like the Hulk and Bruce Banner, but Bruce Banner you see, you know. Right. But Ted, I don't remember. I don't, I mean, I'm not a big Man-Thing historian, so I don't know. <laughs> but I don't think we've seen Ted in a long time. No, like Man-Thing does not switch between a human state and a monster state, as far mm-hmm. as I can remember. He's always Man-Thing. There is no going back and forth in between. He's pretty much stuck in that solid state. Um, hence, uh, oh, what was the, uh, it was uh, the weapons club uh weapons plus uh man thing comic where we saw somebody who had basically the same condition as uh dr salas uh i think it's manslaughter manslaughter yeah yeah so he went in there and you know he he had to have like a serum or or an antibi uh antidote given to him every time he changed to that man thing state in order to get back to his human state so yeah like we we hadn't really seen something like this in a long time so it was it was kind of awesome that yeah this is at the very core of his consciousness at the very core of man things being you still have dr salas definitely i I really like that i i'm glad we're gonna i mean obviously we're gonna get more of them interacting and i i understand why the man thing persona picked captain america because if you're trying to reason with like a down and out soul captain america would be the person you call to like lift up your spirits you know i i I, in this avengers team captain america would be 
the one to make you feel more powerful with just his words. Yeah. You know? Oh god, yeah. And then we get like a lot more of like Avengers action and I don't know about y'all, but I love this the art that was done for all this like Avengers fighting off of these plants, like Thor throwing yes. his hammer and Hulk doing shockwaves. Oh, this is beautiful. And uh Ghost Rider goes riding the whip or should Ghost <laughs> yeah. Riding the chain whip, I should say. Like Oh, that big muscle car and just him doing his thing. Like, okay, I am very cool with that. I know, this is the Avengers I like to see. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. I do like that Captain uh, Marvel gets this good moment. Because I was like, oh, what if she breathes it in, you know? Because she's like, and basically invincible. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh yeah, I got it. You don't need to put me out. Like, I can handle the heat. Like, I just burn it all off, so. Well, and I like the fact that she did start to burn. Because it, you know, at first you're looking at all these superheroes and you're going, wow none of them are affected at all wow they they none of them have any sort of fear and you you start to see her panic and be afraid because she's like what if i can't save everybody what if i fail what if i can't uh, help everyone who's around me what if we can't beat this like you could see that fear does set in sometimes when you're a superhero Mm -hmm. you know and how do you fight that emotion and yeah tony was like these things are eating my artillery left right and center but he was still able to to like hey we've got to pull this together you know you can do this we are going to do our best we're going to help as many people as possible you know it's okay you're good you're good she's like she pulls it back together like thank you for showing superheroes as actually being human yes having emotions like yes super i love that like i Mm -hmm. I mean i feel like in this whole in this whole one issue we get a good look of you know different groups like holder culture the new Mm -hmm. villain a little bit of man thing like Mm -hmm. people in the in the world and especially the Avengers we get to see how their team dynamic works out how they are still you know these great like godlike beings but they're still they still have humanity and they still have fear they still want to do their best and they still worry that they're not going to mm-hmm. so it's really nice to see I feel like with Marvel that's always been Marvel's standpoint is like yes they have heroes but then they focus on what they try to focus on the most is the feelings aspect of that person like they're mm-hmm. they're they're a god they're half Cree half you know superwoman what mm-hmm. have you but there's still a person inside all of them. yeah Ew, so good and like not just the facial emotions but even the body posturing that they use to display those emotions was really well done it honestly feels like you're watching something that's cinematic and moving even though it's panels standing still they did a really good job of, of conveying that through body posturing and uh, facial emotion and these the really well thought out story so I yeah, they did a good job on this. Mm-hmm. And then that last little bit of the chapter is Cap. Like I said, Captain America is the person you send to try mm-hmm. to talk someone up and make them believe in themselves mm-hmm. because he's had to do that for himself, like his whole life before he even came with Captain America. Yeah. Like he is the person you choose to give the speeches to help inspire people. Mm-hmm. Love it. Unfortunately, the doctor is not being inspired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's so. he's lived how many decades or at least how many years locked in in the deepest part of the consciousness of that husk man thing so of course he's been living with his own darkest secrets for this entire time and he's never been able to find his way back out as a conscious part of man thing so yeah that that secret reveal at the very end was like (gasps) shoot yeah I was gonna say how did y'all feel about this like sort of retconning of him did that he didn't create the serum that turned him into man thing. It's like, uh, 
Dang. Shocking. <laughs> right? Definitely shocking. Also, it explains so much really, really well. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, here's the big secret that I've been living with. I'm like, this would actually kind of explain why your, your human conscious got stuck so far in the back of man thing to the point where people didn't really even think you were wholly conscious anymore. Like, yeah, you, if, if you weren't the uh, creator, then there's a good chance that, yeah, you wouldn't be able to fix this because you don't know how to. Yeah, he doesn't know how to fix it, and he has the guilt of like destroying his family, destroying his life, and taking work from somebody else, and like mm-hmm. creating this monster with it. It's just yeah. a lot of baggage with that. And yeah. then the next issue, we get like Spider-Man, the Curse of Man thing, and then I guess we get Peter Parker's take on this. And it kind of makes, I mean, Peter Parker is a scientist. People forget mm-hmm. that he is a scientist, right? So he doesn't use it that much, but it it's there. <laughs> it still exists. Well, <laughs> He, he uses his science to kind of build contraptions for himself, but he True. found that, you know, the photojournalism and whatnot paid the bills and allowed him enough freedom to be able to do the Spider-Man thing and make a living. I mean, so, you're right, yeah. Yeah. Being a, scientist, <laughs> being a scientist, he would not have had nearly as much freedom because it would be like, hey, I can't make it in the office today because Doc Ock, I mean, uh, <coughs> I'm coronavirus? Sick. Right. <laughs> And like Peter, you already called out five times this week. Right. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> right. Taking away your scientist license? I don't know. Um, your degree? You can't science anymore. You can't science anymore. Uh, so we're at the end of the book. Let's get our final thoughts. Uh, Robbie, what are your final thoughts on this first uh, segment of Curse of the Man Thing? Well, what probably impresses me the most is the placement for a lot of the characters. Like, it didn't really have, like, there there wasn't really scenes that might have were too long where it overshadowed all the characters. Like, it was a really good balance. And then with the introduction of the har- horror... <laughs> horror? Horror. That name. <laughs> oh, it's going to be the death of us. Uh, you know, Miss H, with the introduction of her, um, I like, uh, I think she could be a really fun new villain, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to see her fuck up the Avengers. Right. And I also really uh, loved seeing Horde culture, and I can't wait to see more of them. Definitely, I definitely agree. What about you, Raven? What are your final thoughts? I love the fact that they took a character that was, I'm going to say slightly lesser used but is like they're I think they're coming up on their 50th anniversary now of this character and they did such a good job bringing the storyline like to the present and and blending it so well the art was beautiful the color uh story was great I love the the story the plot line they gave me everything I need and I'm like super invested in man thing now so surprise me <laughs> I love it oh yeah that's I mean definitely agree as well I mean I was looking forward to this because I am a Steve Orlando fan and I was just like oh and I like a man thing I like the concept of man thing I just think it's a neat a neat thing <laughs> so I was like oh we get to learn more he's coming back cool um and it surprised me a lot I mean I didn't expect horticulture. 
entering it. I didn't expect uh, the big fight scenes as we're, we're getting. I didn't expect to see his uh, background persona. I, it's just like it, it threw me for a big loop, and I love that. I love that I am reading something that I can't tell what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And like you and Robbie were saying, I love the balance of it. Like, I, like Steve Orlando gets the voices so correct, and then Francisco gives you such a clear image of these of this comic book art that it tells you the story without even having to technically read it if you didn't even have to like it's so clear and concise with the facial expressions and the mm-hmm. way that he draws these action sequences it's just spectacular yeah absolutely so i'm excited for the next segment with the spider-man because i i'm like oh i want to yeah. see you know if it's i think it's the same artist i'm not sure but i know it's steve orlando writing it i want to mm-hmm. see steve orlando write peter parker and then if it's the same artist i want to see how he draws spider-man yes. so. can't wait cannot wait oh yay 